Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the grace that allows us to trust you, Holy Spirit, for bringing conviction that we might believe. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the continued grace that enables us to believe your word, to walk in its way, and to trust you more and more. I pray right now, O oh God, that you would allow the, the, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart to be pleasing to you and to provide insight of wisdom as we now look to the light that is your word, that it might show us what is true. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, there is, uh, there is one reality that is the saddest and most sobering of all realities that any of us will face, and that is death. We face it as a congregation almost every single week. If it is not one of our members, it is certainly one of the family members of one of our own. And each week, we, we have to deal with this terrible reality. And from time to time, I hear this phrase, and it, it, it's, like, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard to me, because people say they use this phrase, and again, I'm not, being, I'm not judging, I'm just saying it bugs me, so stop. But the word, the phrase, natural death, is a natural death. There's nothing natural about death. God did not make us to die. God made us to live. That is why whenever we come in contact with death, everything inside of us says no. Some of you came to church today, did not realize I was talking about death. And when I said that just a minute ago, you were like, oh man, why did I come? This stinks. And you're right. Death stinks. It's terrible. There's nothing about it that is right for us. God did not make us for death. He made us for life. So what happened? Well, we've got to go back to the beginning. This is Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So understand what God has done, what he did. He put us in a garden and he gave us a very important task. Remember, the garden itself was a very com- confined place on the planet. It was so confined that after the fall, of course, Adam and Eve were able to be expelled from it and to remain outside of it by a single guardian of an angel. And so we know that this place on the planet was secluded. There were all kinds of other things going on on the planet. Man, under the authority of God, was given stewardship of the planet, and here was our job, to take this garden and to grow it and to expand it to cover the globe. We do not know how long the the garden was there while our world, how many ages, how many years, we, we don't know. But what we do know is that God placed us there for a very specific purpose. And that was to, to serve him and to do it gladly. And he gave us good things. He said, look, I'm giving you this stuff. Enjoy it. One thing you don't do. You don't seek to determine right and wrong on your own. If you do that, the day you do that by eating of this tree, you will, you will fall into death. And so many of you know the story. You know that our race, that we have fallen, we have committed sin. And you know, I hope the grand story that is revealed to us in the Bible, that God created all things to be in harmony. But because we sinned and because we were given stewardship of the whole planet, now the whole planet has fallen. 
So now there's death, there's conflict, there's pain, there's sickness, there's disasters. Why? Because of the fall, because we sin. But good news, God entered into this dark, broken world to rescue us. What we celebrated in the Lord's Supper just a moment ago was the fact that God Himself came to rescue us from sin. And so now, those of us who live by faith, we live by faith in the hope of the coming of Christ, and we understand that one day there will be a great restoration. One day there will be a time when there will be no more death. But until that time, we have to fight against this horrible enemy. We will all, if the Lord carries, we will all face a day of death. But for those of us who believe in the Rescuer, those of us who believe in Christ, we're able to say what Paul said. I love this. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, we can say, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, the moment we die is the moment we begin to truly live. See, death does not end anything for us. It is merely the beginning because of God's math. Do you know God's math? You need to know God's math. Make sure you understand this. If you're born once, you'll die twice. If you're born only physically, you will die a physical death, and then you will be judged, and you will die an eternal death. It's eternal life in death, and that is hell. But God's math is this. Born twice, die once. Born of the water, born physically, and then born of spirit, born spiritually, born again, as described in John chapter 3. Then you will only die once. You will die a physical death, but then you will, from that physical death, enter into an eternal life with Christ. We need to know this math. Born twice, die once. And our text today shows us how it is we can understand and apply the math of God. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, Susie Rexford is going to come and read for us the last two verses. So Susie, would you come forward? And as she does, let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. <coughs> So we're going to look at the chapter today, but she's going to specifically read for us the end. And we're going to start at the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. As every good sermon should, start at the end and go back to the beginning, all right? So if you would read for us verses 12 and 13. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing. And the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it make a name for the Lord. It, an everlasting that shall not be cut off. The Word of God. Thank you. Praise be to God. If you would go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> when death entered the world, so entered a curse. Those of you who are Major League Baseball fans, you you know something of a curse. I understand there's a couple of teams that have supposedly been under a curse until this this last decade or so. I understand the Red Sox were at one time under a curse in 1919. It is said that they traded Babe Ruth, and so having done that, they were then placed under a curse. Of course, that curse was overcome in 2004 when they won the World Series, and so all the Red Sox fans were excited. How many of you here today are Red Sox fans? A few of you? We'll tolerate you. No, we love you. You're from there. You've been there a long time. You've loved them a long time. That's good. I understand there was another curse lifted this year with the Chicago Cubs. How many of you are Chicago Cubs fans? How many of you were Cubs fans last year? <laughs> oh, the Cubs, after 108 years, they said to have overcome their curse 
having uh, won a, a championship. So what happened? Victory overcame the curse. Now, they had to wait a long time, but it finally came. So it is with our race. So it is with the human race. The victory over the curse came when Jesus Christ defeated sin and death. He defeated sin by dying to pay the penalty for it. He defeated death through the resurrection. And so through this victory that was a long time waited, we now have this this glorious hope. We have this knowledge. And and because of Jesus, not only can we now live hopeful and be helpful, but we can know that one day, all of this death, this curse, will be completely reversed. Write this down if you're taking notes. God will reverse the curse and death will be obsolete. That's what we can know. That's what's happening. When you look at verses 12 through 13 that, that Susie just read for us, understand that we're able now to read this text on the other side of the cross and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, there were original readers. These were those who were about to be exiled into Babylon. They had not yet been exiled, but already God raised up the prophet Isaiah to say to them, you're about to be in exile, but I am going to, I'm going to set you free. And so they, they know that the curse of their sin that caused them to be in exile would one day be overturned. And so when they would read verse 12, for your joy, for you shall go out, with, out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. When they were brought out of, the, out of Babylon, out of exile, they, they were brought out into to this great joy. They had this wonderful peace. There was this celebration. There was a clapping of hands because they were going back to the promised land. They were going home. We now, on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, we read this text in a completely different way. Yes, we are right now in exile. Yes, we are right now in a dark place, but we're headed home. And we are going home with joy and with peace and celebrating the fact that that we have a Savior who has come to rescue us. And so this exile, look what it does in verse 13. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And so these early, these original readers, they would have understood that, yes, we are now being set free from exile. We are now going to go back to the promised land. We're going from this desert place, from this desolate place, to our home where the promise of God will be fulfilled, where there will be life, and this life will come as God promised. Now, on the other side of the cross and resurrection, we're able to see this for what it is. We're able to see that, yes, indeed, we are headed to a place that is a new heaven and a new earth where there will be a glorious celebration to the eternal God. And what, that's what we pictured in our worship today. We're able to understand that, yes, there's coming a day when He will reign forever. Until that time, we, we look now through the lens of faith in Jesus Christ, and it gives us hope. It gives us hope to live hopeful and to be helpful. And so from, from where we stand now, we're in a place where people die. We're in a place where there's conflict. But we're not home yet. But we know that, that, that one has come, and so we live with a different mindset, with a different attitude, because we know what's coming. We know we're headed home. We have joy. We have peace. We have a celebration in our heart because we know where we're going. Where we're going is described in Revelation chapter 22. Look what it says. 
Then the angel showed me the river of, of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. Isn't that great? It reverses the curse. No longer will there be anything accursed. There will be no death. There will be no shame, no guilt, no conflict. There will be peace. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His servants will worship Him. This is where we're going. Because of what Christ has done, this is where we're going. We know that one day the curse will finally be reversed, and that death will become obsolete. And at that time... The way we experience life itself will be completely different. For those of you who are Christians, right now, I know you have to live like I have to live, and we have to live by faith. Having never seen Jesus Christ, never seen His faith, we, we imagine what He would look like, a, a Palestinian Jew from, from the Virgin Mary. We, we have an idea, and so we live by faith in this this God who became man, who died, was raised, is now at the right hand of God, and we have this faith, but one day our faith will become sight, and our faith will be realized. Back in Revelation, look at, look at the next verses, look what it says. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light or, or, or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. That is what's coming. That is what's going to happen. The curse will be reversed. Death will be obsolete. We will see Jesus face to face. There will be no more faith. Faith will be realized, and we will have life. We will be with the Lord forever. And friends, that's why we live hopeful. It's not because life is easy. It's not because we've got everything figured out because we know everything. It's not because somehow we're, we're no longer exposed to the elements of a broken world. No. We have hope because we know this world's not our home. Because we know God's math. Born twice, die once. And death is the beginning, not the end. And so we look at life differently. And that's, that's why we share our hope. That's why we seek to, to lead more people to anchor their life in hope in Jesus. Because we know without God's math, they're cursed. They live and die under the curse. Apart from Christ, there is only a curse. And so we, we seek to share it, not just here, but around the world. And that's why we have right now two teams. One in Southeast Asia, one in West Africa, taking the gospel where it's never been before. And they're able to do that because of the gift for Christ. We began receiving that gift last week. I'm excited to celebrate with you this morning. As of today, as we got started with the offering, we now have $185,000 that has been given. Praise God. Amen. We celebrate that today. So I know some of you are still praying, you're still looking to give. We will receive this offering all the way until the end of this year. And again, what it provides is opportunity for us to take the gospel. Why? Because people are under the curse. Because they, they have been born physically, and without being born spiritually, that is born again, they, they, they face eternity, an eternity of death, which is hell. But if, if they can hear the gospel, and if they can be born again, having been born physically, if they can be born spiritually, born in Christ, they will have one death and then eternal life. And that's why we live hopeful. That's why we choose to be helpful. That's why we make disciples. That's why we lead more people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus. That's why we give to the gift for Christ. 
That's why we, we live to, to have peace and joy and to celebrate it every single day. This is what God has done. This is what He's going to do. He's provided us the means to have joy and peace and to celebrate going home. And when we get home, the curse will be finally and absolutely reversed and death will be obsolete. So in light of that, three things you need to do, all right? I want you to write these down and I want you to think about them. The first one is this, accept the invitation of Christ. Accept the invitation. Come by faith, that is freely, to the one who has paid the great price for your salvation. Look what it says in verse 1 and 2 of Isaiah 55. Let's now go back to the beginning of the chapter. It says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And, and he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy, wine, and milk. But look at this. Without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. My steadfast, sure love for David. What is he saying? What's the invitation? Come. Come and receive what you can't afford. Come and get what you can't gain on your own. When Christ died, He provided the merit by which we can be saved. We can't earn it. All we can do is receive it. Jesus said the only thing that will satisfy you is Jesus Himself. What we received in just a moment ago, the symbols with the, with the wafer, with the juice, what are we celebrating? Not those particular elements. We're, pray, we're pointing to what those elements point to, which is Jesus Christ. He is the one that satisfies. And it is, it is only by receiving Him by faith that anyone is saved. Understand what the Word says. Romans chapter 6. You know this one. If you don't know, come to know it. For the wages of sin, the cost of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It has been paid in full. And so Jesus Christ offers an invitation. Come. Come and eat. Come and buy, you who have no money, you who have no merit before God, you who have nothing to offer God that He wants or needs. Come by faith and receive eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. This is the one who has provided the way. And this one has come to us as a promise. Look what it says again in, in the last part of verse 3 and on to verse 4. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the people's a leader and a commander for the people. What does this mean? It means that God promised that through the line of David, the Savior, the Rescuer, the one who would be God and man would come. We read this in 2 Samuel chapter 7, beginning in verse 16. This is Nathan the prophet speaking to David. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. God told David, through your line, there will be an everlasting king. Everlasting. Not four years, not eight years, not a dynasty. Everlasting king who will reign forever. Jesus Christ is his name. Jesus Christ is the promise that was made to David, the promise that was made to the world through the Word in the Old Testament. He is the one who has come to rescue us. And He is the one who makes the nations of the world a single people. 
what God does is He takes all the nations and He forms from them a nation. All those who receive Christ by faith, we become a people. We were once not a people, but we are now God's people. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. By, by acknowledging that you have nothing to offer God, that you have sinned, but believing that Jesus died to pay for that sin, turned away from your sin, received His grace by faith, you become a part of the people of God. And you get to live and enjoy the rulership of Jesus Christ that was promised to David. You get to become God's people. This is the invitation of Christ. And it changes the direction of our life. So in light of the fact that that the curse will be reversed and that that death will, will become obsolete, we need to accept the invitation of Christ. But second, write this one down, we need to seek the direction of Christ. Accept the invitation of Christ, then seek the direction of Christ. Now understand, you only have your lifetime to make make this choice. Look what it says in verse 6. Let this haunt you. Let this intimidate you. Let this scare you. It should. Seek the Lord while He may be found. That tells you that He will not always be available to you. Born twice die once. If in this life you are not born again, you will die twice. While he may be found, believe in him, trust in him, gain new life. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. This is, this is the, the hope of the gospel. Look at it again, the three circles. How is it that we are able to pursue and, and, and recover God's design? Only through the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the word good news. It's the truth that God became flesh to die for our sins so that we could pursue the direction of God. Understand, some of you are going in the wrong direction. You are not going towards God's design. You are going towards brokenness. Some of you are going towards sin. And here's what you're wrongly thinking. You're thinking, I know what's best for me. I know what God says, or at least I think I know what God says. And what I believe is God wants to keep me from being happy, from having fun, of getting what I want. So I'll lie, I'll cheat, I'll steal, I'll pursue whatever pleasure I feel like pursuing, regardless of what God may say. You are creating brokenness. You need to turn around. That's what it means to repent. Go the other way. Some of you are going the wrong way. In football terms, this is what you look like. Watch the screen. This is what some of your lives look like right now because you're going the wrong direction. Let's watch this together. That's what some of you look like. You're going the wrong direction. You're, you're playing for the wrong team. Listen to your teammates. I'm on your team. I'm for you. Listen to me. Turn away from sin. That's the wrong way. 
It leads to destruction. It leads to death. It leads to pain. Stop going that direction. You say, but no one's trying to stop me going that direction. Do you notice when he was running just how, how much space there was? You know, why is the road that leads to destruction? There are very few earthly things that will call you away from destruction. Most of the things that you will see on television, most of the things that you will see, the things that your flesh will call your attention to, are the wide way that leads to death. Turn, my friends. That's what repentance means. Turn. Turn to Christ. Turn away from, from the things of this world. Turn to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus, to take Him as His word and to pursue and recover God's design. Please understand that, that receiving Christ, that doesn't mean that it's going to create in you an, an, an action, perfection. Understand, accepting Christ gives you the appropriate direction. Yes, you're made righteous in Christ, but you will still continue to battle against sin. And if you're battling, here's what you can know. At least you're going in the right direction. See, if you're not battling sin and there's no, there's nothing fighting against you and you're just going with the flow and there's, there's just wide open space and no problems, you're probably going the wrong direction. You see, if you pursue holiness and you pursue Christ, your flesh, the world, and the devil are going to fight against you. But go in the right direction. The invitation of Christ is salvation. The direction of Christ is, is God's design that you might pursue and recover it. Now, the only way that, that you, can, you can go in this way is to write it down, trust the wisdom of God. you got to trust the wisdom of God. See, only God knows. There's certain things about our world and, and, and your life and my life that only God understands. Listen, I can't understand some of the pain that, that, that makes up my life right now. I don't understand it. I'm not for it. I'm praying against it, and I don't like it. But God understands why it's there. See, here's what we have to understand. We can't understand all that God understands, but we can, what we can understand is that God gets it. And He knows why it's there. Because His ways are higher than our ways. Look what it says in verse 8. Look at this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, we don't get it. Get that you don't get it, and be okay with that. Get that, that you don't, you're not going to like things that happen in your life that happen in, in the world. Get it. And get that you also are never going to be able to understand them until God makes them clear in the new heaven and the new earth. As for now, we just have to trust Jesus so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take Him at His what? At His Word. See, we have, to, we have to trust God's Word. We have to understand what His Word is. That His Word, it, it nourishes our soul. It gives us purpose. There's purpose in the Word. Look at verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Look at this. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word 
has power. God's Word has purpose. God's Word reveals what we can understand of God's plan. His ways are higher than our ways. we got to get that. But we also need to understand that what, what we need to know has been made plain in His Word. This is not dead print. This is a living Word. This Word speaks afresh and anew every single day to those who will hear it. That's why you need to be here every Sunday to hear the preaching of the Word. Here's what I will promise you. So long as I am your pastor, when you come to this church, you will hear the Word of God preached. And this is what you need. You don't need me to tell you tickle stories. You don't need me to tell you how great and wonderful the world is. You've got enough liars already, don't you? Read the truth. And, and you will hear the truth preached here. And then you need to preach it to yourself. You need to every day, every single day, be fed by the Word of God. It, it, will, it will water your soul. And here's what will amaze you. Here's what amazes me. Every day this week, I read the Word of God. And I've read, I read something that I've read at, at least a dozen or more times. And it spoke to me anew. I saw something I hadn't seen before. And here's why. Because I was a different man the last time I read it. I was living in a different world the last time I read it. This morning, I was in Psalm 119. And I saw things I had not seen before. I tweeted about it. And, and, and it just spoke to me. I thought, wow, God, your word is so powerful. It's living and active. It has a purpose. But only for those who will be fed by it. Only those who will pursue it. Understand, you cannot know God's will or his way without his word. So we have the invitation of Christ. We, we have this, the glorious direction of Christ. And we can only know Christ and his direction when we know his word. And you cannot know his word until you know the author. One more wrinkle I need to make you aware of. The word of God will only be dead print to you until you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. See, you have to be God's map. Let me remind you one more time, okay? God's map. Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Until you are born again, you will never understand the word of truth. It will just be ideas. It will just be stories. The word of God will come alive to you when you are made alive to Christ by grace through faith. And that word will give you hope. That word will give you healing. Here's what I know. Some of you today need to receive Christ. Here's what I know. Some of you today who have received Christ, you, you need to trust him with what you're going through. You need to trust his plan. You need to commit to, to being in His Word. And you need to ask God for a miracle. See, here's what's happened to some of you. You've got something that's going on in your life. It, it's, a, it's a challenge. It's causing you pain. It's causing you anger. It's causing you frustration. And it's been elevated above the truth of Christ. Now, what I hope is happening through the power of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of His Word, that your situation now is being seen in light of Christ. So that understanding who Jesus is and what he's done, you now have hope and joy and peace. And now you can, with this information, with this reality, inform what you're going through. 
So instead of allowing your pain and your fear and your anger and your frustration defining for you God, let God define for you your pain and your situation and your frustration and your anger. And here's what you'll realize. This world's not your home. Don't get caught up in it. Get caught up in Christ and He will give you peace. And so this morning I want to invite you to do that. To come and get on your knees and say, Lord God, you are my peace, not my circumstance. You are my hope. You are my joy. You are my life. And I understand death. I understand pain. I understand hardship. But I also know that you are God. You have a purpose. And I can trust you in it. And ask for a miracle. You need a miracle today? Ask him for it. And understand this. This is the last thing I'm going to say. Whatever it is you're facing right now, whatever you need God to do that you think is so huge, hear me. That is a very small thing to our God. It's a very small thing. So ask Him. Ask the Almighty to do this very small thing. It may be His will, it may not, but you won't know until you pray. So ask Him. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord God, we have just a moment to sing of, of Your blessings. We can say to our soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. But I also know that there are some today who need to come and say, Lord God, let me see my life through the lens of Christ. Let me see my pain. Let me see this fear, this frustration, even death itself in light of what Jesus has done and what he's going to do so that I can walk with wisdom and so that I can pursue and recover God's design and run in the right direction. God, hear your people as they come to pray for you to do miracles, as they come to ask you to do what only you can do, which is to enable them to be born twice so they can only die once. Hear them as they come to acknowledge their, their need for peace and love, hope, joy in this battle and this, this path and this journey. Hear your people now as we sing and as we pray. In Christ's name we ask you. Amen. Come and pray as we sing together.